We're good? Okay, well, if I get hollering, y'all just go like this, okay? But praise the Lord. So um, what was I saying? Yes, we've continued to build out our children's ministry. So don't, don't forget to stop by and take a look on your way out today at um, the Blast Zone, which is just, you know, to the right as you go out the sanctuary doors. And the other children's church, we've added a mirror so that um, when they change diapers, they can see what's going on behind them. We, we added a huge mirror, brand new carpet. It's just coming along. We're ordering murals for that room. That room's going to be the aquarium. So we're going to have fish and stuff all over the walls. It's going to be bright and colorful and beautiful and a wonderful place for our infants and toddlers. And then right as you exit the sanctuary on the left-hand side, we're ready to build out phase three, phase four, whatever phase is. Let's see, phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four. Phase four. We're in phase four already, and we're not even two years into this. Amen. And we're doing it all debt-free, and uh, y'all are just great at giving and your, with your tithes and offerings, and we're putting them to good work. All through this pandemic, all through this, this uh, whole time of being sequestered, we have continued to build. And uh, it's so exciting to know that we can do that, that we're, that we're um, able to keep moving forward. So um, we're going to build out one more so that we'll have infants and toddlers in the, in the original room. We'll have ages, I believe it's four, five, and six will be in this room. And then in the other room will be ages 7 to 12. So they'll be separated by their age group so we can teach them the Word of God. How many of you know we need to be teaching our kids the Word of God? So I'm super excited about that. I'm preparing for what I'm declaring. I'm preparing for overflow. Amen? So as we have overflow, we'll have plenty of room for our children to receive the Word of God. Um, I'm super, super, super excited, y'all. This past Friday night, I don't know if y'all remember, on uh, last Sunday morning, Roy Lee stood up and, and declared that he was going to be um, singing in the park in uh, downtown Humble on Main Street. So Friday night, you know, Murray's gone out of town, so I said, okay, well, I'm going to go over there and check it out. So I went, and Roy Lee was singing. My friend, um, Pastor Will Irwin, was sort of officiating, and he called for people to get up and pray. So it was, wasn't just to go listen to music. It was only for an hour, but they were playing music, and they were having different pastors and people who were there to get up and to pray. And uh, they asked me to get up and pray. I thought, my God, how cool is this? For all the years that I've been praying and declaring for revival and humble, my feet are on Main Street. I'm standing. He says, every place the soles of your feet, you take it for the kingdom. So, I mean, that's at the very heart of Humble on Main Street, right in the middle of downtown Humble. We're praying and calling out for revival. We're cursing the spirit of racism that has been horrible in Humble. For, for this, the, the history, if you read about the history of Humble, is deplorable. It's horrible. And so we're, we're declaring it was a multicultural group. And uh, we were declaring, you know, freedom from racism and um, just revival and an outpouring. And, and it just, it just, everything just felt so right. It was wonderful. And so there were some pastors there that I met from True Love Church in Humble, African-American pastors. And uh, they are having a unity march this Tuesday night. And we'll start right there on Main Street at uh, like 5.30, we get there and we get sort of lined up and get organized. The mayor of Humble is going to be there, the police chief. Um, everybody who's anybody in Humble is going to get there for a unity march to march down the streets of Humble, pastors from this area. And we're going to, we're going to do this, um, this march, this unity walk, all the way down to um, City Hall where we'll be on the steps where we will actually be praying 
praying on the steps of City Hall for our city to experience revival. If that's not a setup, I don't know what is. So, y'all, I'm asking you to come and be a part of this. We line up at 5.30. At 6 o'clock, we'll begin to move our way down the street. And I'm, I'm asking other churches that I know. I asked Pastor Ken to come. So, um, you know, invite people that you know, people in the humble area. I think it's, it's an opportunity to strategically, with purpose, putting our feet on the very heart of the, of the streets of Humble and having the mayor and all the elected officials standing around us as we pray over our city for revival. That's amazing. So I really, 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 really need y'all to do this for me. Amen. I need you to do this for our city. I need you to do this for God, to come out and be a part of this. Amen. I mean, it, it makes a difference when we show up. It makes a difference. We need to show up. And, you know, Tuesday morning is um, George Floyd's home-going service. So um, this is, that's in the morning. So um, this will be what we do in Humble, and, and I'm super excited about it. So um, I'm asking you guys to come and to show up and be a part of it, okay? Joshua is coming. He's bringing his cross, and he's going to carry the cross down the street. Amen. Make me want to do the cabbage patch. <laughs> Hallelujah. So y'all, just by show of hands, who here would be able to come? Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. All right, you go to, I believe it's, the address is on the screen, 308 Main Street in Humble. 308 Main Street. 308 Main Street. So write that down so you don't forget. Okay? All right, well, let's get started. I'm super excited about that. Let's get started in the Word. Are y'all ready? All right, hold up your note sheet and let's make this faith declaration. For those of you who are watching online, we'd love for you to come and join us as well. 308 Main Street, Tuesday at 530. Get there to line up and we start walking at 6. Amen. All right, let's make this faith declaration. Say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I'm becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. And I'm becoming everything the haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all come on and say it's time to glorify God. Amen. So this is a year where we are declaring the manifested glory of God. And as we give him more territory in our lives, as we give ourselves more over to him, the more that he's able to glorify himself in our lives. So we've been looking at glorifying God in our families. And uh, this, is, this has been just really awesome for me. I've enjoyed teaching this so much so far. But I wanted to talk to you today about some real specific things concerning unity. Say unity. Say agreement. Amen. What is that? Present suffering, future glory. Oh, okay. Praise the Lord. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> They're getting fancy. Okay, so we're glorifying God in family. All right, number one, God created family to live out purpose and be successful. So, you know, just like I've been saying over the last couple of weeks, God did not come so we could live a tore up life. God came so that we could point ourselves towards purpose point ourselves toward destiny, decide that we're going to be doers of his word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves. As we become doers of the word, we get the results of the word. Amen? In our marriages, in our families. And that sometimes is the easiest place to blow it. 
Families is the easiest place to let your guard down and act a fool. Easiest place to, easiest place to get in your flesh because it's where we're most comfortable. I mean, we would do some things at home we would never do out in public. Amen. So we have to, you know, decide that we're going to be respectful to our families. Respect goes a long way. R-S-E, R-S-P, how's he spell it? R-E-S-P-E-C-T, respect. It goes a long, long way. Amen. So he created us to live out purpose and to be successful. So he's called us to live a successful life, to be uh, victorious and to reflect his glory. Genesis 1, through 28 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth so he's he's telling you look I've made you in my image and in my likeness I've put you on this earth for you to have dominion for you to be successful for you to be fruitful for you to multiply I've you know he's already put his blessing on them so we're supposed to live a blessed life as the family of God created in his image and in his likeness we should be reflecting the glory of God in our families so you notice that he said to have dominion over everything except each other he never said Adam have dominion over Eve and he never said Eve have dominion over Adam but he said but they listen to me they should have dominion over everything from the very beginning God spoke unity that they should have dominion. Amen. So um, we're not supposed to try to dominate one another. The minute you try to do that, you're going to be in trouble. Don't go home and say, you know, things are going to be different around here (laughs) or you might get punched out. Yeah. So we want to do things God's way and God's, God's way has an order, but it comes through submission, not domination. Amen. Number two, a truly successful family is the one that serves and worships God. So until God is at the middle of it, it's really not a a God-reflecting family. So we're all created to live out this purpose that's outside of ourselves. We're created for a purpose outside of ourselves, not just to serve ourselves, but to serve others. Amen? We're created with a purpose that serves and loves others. Others. Joshua 24, 15. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua made a bold declaration for him and his family. And I think it's wonderful when the husband stands up and says, hey, this is what we're getting ready to do. Many times, you know, the, sometimes the husband doesn't serve the Lord, but the wife does. And the wife, you know, would want to make a declaration like that or pray behind the scenes or get in the war room, get in your prayer closet and uh, pray that thing to pass. But, um, but Joshua made a bold declaration as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And the message translation says, as for me and my family, we'll worship God. So when we make a decision like that, we have just begun to glorify God in our lives because we put him at the center of, of our lives. Amen. So this is what Joshua actually did was he declared a mission statement for his family. Did you hear me? He declared the mission statement for his family. As for me and as for my house, this is our mission in life. We will serve the Lord. Amen. How many of you have a mission for your family? 
Have you thought about what is, the, what is the end result? What is this family supposed to look like? What's your mission statement for your family? So number three, write the vision for your family according to the word of God. If you could just wave a magic wand and make your family into what you want it to be, what would that be? Now, I know we're dealing with people and personalities, and we don't, we don't ever want to, like, you know, dominate someone to make them be who they are, but in the context of people being who they are, you could wave a magic wand. What would be the vision for your family, the best that, that you could think of that it could be? Habakkuk 2.2 says, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. So there's a purpose in this family. What is your mission? Your mission, of course, is to glorify God, but you have to have a target and a vision. Otherwise, you're just wandering around aimlessly hoping that you arrive somewhere that you can tolerate. So you've got to write a vision statement for your family. You've got to write a vision. What is the vision for your family, 1 Corinthians 9, 26, is, Paul says, Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. So in other words, he, Paul has a focus and a purpose for everything that he does. So let's look at some of the visions for our family is A, every member saved with a real personal relationship with God. You know, we get saved and we get on fire for God and we go home and your family might throw a wet blanket over you. So... You've been the one who's been divinely raised up by God to be the intercessor for, those, for the, the rest of your family. You're the one. He, he picked you out of the whole lineup to be the one that he could trust to, to fast and to pray and to believe them into the kingdom of God. Amen. This morning, we'll have whatsoever we say, right? So I call my family saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, loving God with all their heart, loving his word, coming to church. The ones that are the worst will be the ones that are on their face in the, in the altar. Amen. Because we'll have what we say. We put our faith on it and we believe that's, that's a vision for my family is to see them all saved. All my cousins, my aunties, my uncles, grandparents, parents, people in your family who aren't saved. Let's believe them in. Amen. God put us here. He picked us up out of, the, out of the family first to be saved so that we could believe God for the rest of our family. Amen. That they all have a real personal relationship. Not that they're riding on your coattails. When my sister's saved, eh, that's not enough. You've got to have your own personal relationship with God. So we've got to intercede for one another, pray for our family members, and believe God together. You know, get, get in agreement with somebody else. First Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be what? And to come to the knowledge of the truth. So God desires that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So that means that one who, who declares they're an atheist in your family, that one who just will not hear, God desires that they be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And there's nobody that God can't reach. Amen. If, if he reached my daddy on his deathbed saying Buddha maybe, Muhammad maybe, but I'll never call out on God, guess what he did? He called out on God last minute, but he came into the kingdom. He skidded in sideways, but he made it in. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because if it matters to you, it matters to God. Amen. And your loved ones being in heaven for eternity, that matters to you. And so it matters to God. God wants him in more than you do. He puts you in the family specifically so you'd be the one who would pray them in, pray them through, amen? Sometimes you got to pray through. We don't even know what that is anymore, do we? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Pray through? 
Praying through. Tell me what it is, Terry. What is it when you pray through? Amen. And sometimes you just pray till you feel a release in your spirit. Your spirit knows when it's done. You pray until you pray through, until you, you break through, till you get through, until you get the answer. Don't give up. Amen. The fervent, effectual, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its work. And God knows how to talk to your loved ones like you could never talk to them. You think you know them? Think how much God knows them. He knows the secret intentions of their heart. He knows things that you don't even know about them. Amen. He knows that where Satan's got them in bondage, he knows exactly how to unlock it. Amen. But he moves because of our prayers. It makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So don't give up praying for your loved ones. That's a vision for your family, for everybody to be saved. If you're in a marriage where you're the one who's saved and your spouse is not saved or your spouse is, you know, doesn't want to go to church or, you know, just pray them through. Amen? Just pray them through. Pray for God to open their eyes. Pray for God to give them a dream, a vision, or shake them over hell. Whatever you got to do, God, just get their attention. Wake them up. Wake them up. Just don't quit. Say, God, here I am. I'm knocking again. I'm asking again. He says, knock and, and the door will be open. Seek and you'll find. Um, um, ask and it will be given to, unto you. So we keep seeking. We keep knocking. We keep asking until we see it happen. Amen. And you know, when we ask, we believe we receive and we ask. So if, I believe if we just rejoice like it's already ours, I believe it gets a little bit closer to us. Amen. Hallelujah. I look so forward to the day that my sister comes in. Woo. <laughs> she came in for our, our, our dedication in here and she just fits right in she's just the happiest most wonderful person in the world but I just look forward to the day that she can you know serve God together with me that'd be just my sister is like the bomb she's the bomb amen so so a we want to believe every member of our family into the kingdom of God and then b um, every member fulfills godly purpose in their roles amen so we're all equal. God has created us all equal. The Bible says that we're equals in the, um, in the new grace of God's kingdom. We are equals. Amen. He, when God made Adam and Eve, he called them both Adam. Adam and Eve were both called Adam. I'm in a female house. You're in a male house. You know, my body is a female body, but we're, our spirits are the same. Amen. There's no difference in the spirit. We're the same. So we're equals. Amen. But God has, has made roles for us that are they're identical to the, to the relationship of the church with Christ in marriage. In marriage, husband and wife relationship is the same as Christ and the church. He's called the bridegroom. We're called the bride. Amen. So um, we are all equal, but we do have God-defined roles to play. And when we get in submission and get in line with his will that's when it's the best that's when it's the best and we we, we don't need to kick against it because it's God's best amen Ephesians five twenty two through 23 it says wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord y'all like Pastor Sally you've gone too far right there you know I saw a, a, a 
skit one time at church where they had a Bible salesman who came in and, and she was selling Bibles to the lady that was there in the house and she said, um, it's beautiful, it's leather bound. She goes, okay, well, does it have that, um, that stuff in there about submitting to your husband and all that? She goes, yeah, but, but you know, we can take that out. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, take that out, take, take that part out. And, you know, um, then, you know, uh, this part about tithes, I, I don't really want to give any money to the church, so can I just get the Bible without that? She goes, sure, we can take that out too. And at the end, she says, you know, after she's ripped her Bible up and taken out all the things that she didn't want in the Bible, she said, how much is that going to cost? She said, really? It's going to cost you everything. To tear out what you don't like. You know, when we decide to do it God's way, we get the benefit of doing it God's way. And God's way is best. His ways are higher than our ways. So wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. The husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. Husbands ought to be head of the wife like Christ is the head of the church. How does Christ treat the church? What woman wouldn't want to submit to that kind of care and provision and love and sacrifice? Men that, that rise up in that godly position in the home to be the head and to be the one that's ultimately responsible. And one day you'll have to answer to God for how you led your family. Amen. People don't like to teach about this kind of stuff anymore, but I know I'm right. Amen. So the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the Christ, uh, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25. Now listen to this. Husbands, love your wives. Say, that's number one. Number one, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Guys, you're supposed to have a love and a protection for your wives that, that you, you put them first, that you're willing to go last so they can go first. It's that, think about how Christ loves us. That's how you're responsible to love and care for your bride and your family. Bride first, children next. Amen. All right? Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. So Jesus washes us and cleans us with the word. Amen. It's like water that washes us. Amen. And we grow more into his image every single day. So Christ is busy washing us. Amen. As we show up to the fountain, he's, he's faithful to wash us. Amen. So husbands, you know, you should care for your wives in that way that you're watching over them. That he might present her to himself a glorious church. You're going to present her. The Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord, you know, but you find the wife in her. You marry a woman, but you find the wife in her by bringing it out of her 
Hallelujah. You find her every single day. You find her. You nourish her. You cherish her. You lift her up. You encourage her. You are the head of the household. Amen. I think men have abdicated that role. And sometimes women can be pushy. We got to let them lead. Amen. Because we're more spiritual. Aren't we? We're just more spiritual. We're more feely, feely, touchy, touchy. We feel more. God just feel God. But you know, he's the head. Amen. Because they're more analytical, you know, and we're more um, emotional, you know, um, that, uh, you know, we have different makeups. But God has made him to be the head of the, of the union. Amen. But, it's, but it's, a, it's a tall order for the way that you should love your wife. So in other words, okay, here we go, that he might present her to himself. You'll present her to yourself, glorious. You'll present a prize to yourself, guys, as you love and nourish and cherish it. Now, let's look at this. It says that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives. That's number two, isn't it? He said, husbands, love your wives in verse 25. Now, here he says it again. Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless... Let each one of you in particular so love his own wife. There's number three. So love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So three times in this this passage of scriptures, Paul exhorts husbands to love their wives. I think that's the thing that wives need more than anything is to feel loved. Girls, don't we need to be loved? Amen. We need to, we need to feel loved and cared for and cherished. Um, and, and it tells us right there what men need the most. Respect. Men can live without a lot of things, but respect ain't one of them. You can't be disrespectful to him and expect him to love and cherish you the way that you're supposed to be. It's, it goes both ways. Amen. So which one starts first? Does he start loving me first or do I start respecting first? Well, if you're here and you're the female, start respecting. Amen. Amen. Try it. Do it God's way and see what happens. Amen. You'll pull the best out of him. He's been waiting. You know, you, you got to respect him. You got to encourage him. They need, men need that. Men need to hear that they're doing a good job. Men keep things bottled up. He can be so angry and so upset and never say a word. And that's really a dangerous thing. When he stops talking, that's not a good thing. Amen. You want to keep communication open between the two of you because men, t- men have a tendency to bottle things up. We want to just talk about everything. I went to the car and I got a tissue and it was in the pink box because I had thrown the blue box away, but I got a tissue and I came and I wiped off the card and then my neighbor needed a tissue. So I get, and, and you were saying all of that just so you can say watermelon was on sale. You know, that's just the way we are. But men are like, come on, give me bullet points. I just need, I need bullet points. But they need more than anything is your respect. That you treat them with respect. And women, 
Live on love. He said it three times, guys. You got to let her know she's beautiful. You know, it doesn't matter if anybody else, you know, gives them a second look or what have you, that, all that kind of business. But it's when you say, baby, you are so fine. She needs to hear it from you and vice versa. Guys need to hear that you think they're fine, girls. They need to know. You better let him know it. Somebody else out there going to let him know he's fine? Amen. He needs to hear it at home. You need to look him up and down and say, baby, you are all that in a bag of chips. I can't wait for you to get home. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what, that's what we need. And when we get into these roles in our relationships, we're equal. But God has set this, this order that, guys, if you'll love, cherish, protect, provide, and be a covering for her, a woman loves to submit to that. She's not supposed to submit to abuse. Don't expect her to submit to cussing and fussing. Don't expect her to submit to that. Because that's, that's not as unto the Lord. Submit, love, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. What does the Lord do? The Lord covers, he protects, he provides, he leads. He's watching over everything. Guys, you can't just go to sleep or play video games. You've got to be watching what's going on with your family. Amen. Watch what's going on with your wife. What is she? Babe, do you need anything? Is there anything I could do? You need some money? What do you need? What woman wouldn't say, wow. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So number one was what? Every member saved. Number two, every member fulfills godly purpose in their roles. And then see, every member feels safe enough to submit to the plan of God. Because, see, you can feel like if I, man, I don't, want, I don't want her to think I'm a punk. Come on, y'all, let's just be real. Or I'm afraid to submit to him because he's, he's acted bad before. You know, we have, to, we have to really get to the place where we trust one another enough to be able to submit to the plan of God. So headship is about covering, not dominance. And listen, let me show you something. Y'all, y'all come here and come stand right here for me. Come stand up on the stage so everybody can see. Who is this? It's your boyfriend? Okay. Well, we'll just pretend like, oh, we just say y'all are married, but okay, come and stand right here. You stand right here. Now, Rodney, come and stand right in front of her. Stand in front of her like you're going to take a bullet for her. See, the wind hits the man first. The wind hits him first before it gets to her. It's about covering. It's not about dominance, his foot on her head. That's not what it's about. It's about him taking the blow for her, for him being out front. I heard about a man who um, his wife ran over the neighbor's cat, which is a terrible thing to do. She ran over the neighbor's cat. So she goes to the husband, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I ran over, I ran over Fluffy. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? He said, I'll tell him I did it. So he takes the flattened cat over to the next door and said, I'm so sorry, but Fluffy got under my tire. You know, he took, he took it for her. So this is, this is what it's all about. Guys, you take the wind first and you protect her. You will answer to God one day for how you took care of her. Give him a big hand. Thank you. So, this is heavy. So the wind hits the, the, the man first, and so we have to feel safe enough 
to submit. You know what? I got to know you got my back. You got to know I got your back. Amen. So um, let's see. So we want to get under the mission of agreement. Submit to the mission. So uh, Ephesians 5.21 says, Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. So we have to be, you know, if we'll just be courteous to one another, you know, that's a, that's a big deal right there. You know, we can come in and not even say hi. And really, we've taken that person for granted. We should be, we should light it up. You know, we light it up for people at work that we don't even know. We light it up for customers that we may never see again. But the person who comes home that's your partner in life, they come through the door and you don't even lift your eyes up from your cell phone. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Can't say amen, say oh me. You know, put the, we should put the phones down. You know, I have to use Bendy for a, a, my little puppy dog as, a, as an example. We, we have a habit that we've started. Anytime we've been separated for e- even 30 minutes and I come home, I'm like, where's my puppy dog? Where's my puppy dog? Oh, my goodness, there's my puppy. And she just wags her whole body because she knows this is the greet time. We're glad to see each other again. And we, I just hug her up and she licks me all over. And we have this little routine we do. She spins around and all kinds of stuff. But, but I'm, uh, you know. It's just something that I started with my puppy dog. Murray and I do that. Well, we don't do that. But, you know, he's like, hi, darling. How was your day? When he comes home, literally, that's what he says. Hi, darling. Where's my baby? He says that every, every day when he gets home. Where's my baby? Where's my puppy dog? We we're, we're all greeting each other again. You know, and that's just being courteously reverent. We're courteous to other people that we don't even know. We'll stop and give somebody a, a comment on Facebook, but we don't say nothing when our spouse gets home. Amen. So we got to do better than that. All right. So out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to each other. Have a cheerleading moment where y'all are glad to see each other. You stop and smile on purpose until it becomes a habit. Y'all might laugh at first, but, you know, it might feel uncomfortable at first, but just make a new habit. Do it for 21 days, and after that, you'll be like, where's my smile? Amen. So D, every member respects and protects the power of unity and agreement. Every member of the family, this is part of our vision that, and part of our mission statement, is that every member respects and protects the power of unity and agreement. You know, um, the power of unity and agreement, sometimes for the sake of unity, I might not agree with you, but I'm going to come your way so that we can get in agreement so we don't have strife. If we're doing this all the time, the devil is just going to wreak havoc. So we have to, you know, here's the middle. Here's my position. Here's your position. And, you know, you're not budging. I'm not budging. We're not going to get anywhere. It's about compromise. Compromise. That that we're ready to to co-promise. Compromise, co-promise, get it? We come to the middle and say, okay, I'm going to give up this territory, but just for the sake of agreement. Because there's so much power in agreement and so much power in unity, I'm not going to let disunity and strife come and take us out. It's not worth it. We hold on to our little edge of the corner just for the dumbest things. The dumbest stuff. We will, And then, you know, then you, you, you've had a big fight and then you don't even remember what it is. But at that moment, that little corner, that little piece of territory means so much. But if we'll let go of that and we'll say, okay, let's do it your way. You may find out that the other way is better anyway. 
Or you may find out, okay, well, it doesn't work. Don't say, I told you so. We say, okay, well, let's try it another way. Amen. It's a good wisdom going for today, I swear. My goodness. So we both give ground in order to tap into the power of agreement. And if you're the one who's always given, come on, spouse. Say, okay, well, this time we're going to go your way. You know, you gotta, it's give and take. Each one of us has a giver and taker on the inside of us. You've got to let your giver be as big as your taker. Amen? All right. So number two, let's talk about the power of agreement and unity. Unity is the state of being united. It means one. And, and it really boils down to this. The unit must win. The family unit must win. The marriage must win. See your marriage as a unit. You're no longer two. We're not two. I don't have my rights and you got your rights. We are one. We're stuck like Chuck on the bus. Amen. So we are a unit and the unit must win. Hallelujah. All right. So marriage is about give and take, meeting in the middle. Um, Number one, unity is important because without it, we will fail. Without unity and without agreement, we will fail. You're destined to fail if you're divided against one another constantly. Matthew 12, 25 says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house, and remember house and family can be um, used in the same sentence, and every city or house, family divided against itself shall not stand. Any kingdom that is divided against itself Uh, is being brought to destruction and laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will last or continue to stand. That's why in America we're in trouble. We are so politically polarized, and nobody wants to come to the middle. For years we've come to the middle, you know, and, and, and we, you know, both sides need what the other side has. You know, we gotta, we, somehow we've got to bring it together. Otherwise, I don't know how we can stand. The Bible tells us if, we, if we're divided against ourselves, we cannot stand. We've got to come together under the banner of Christ. Amen? The same thing in a family. We, we, we can't be on each end and never come to the middle. And this is, this is where the war is won right here. Come to the middle and decide that we're going to do it God's way. Amen? So when it comes about, becomes more about you and your own way, Watch out, because that's the soil that the devil likes to sow in. When it's all about you, it's all about what you need, what you want. You know, the devil gets you thinking about you and your rights, and and he reminds you of every dumb thing the person ever did. And you just keep, you're you're building a case against him. So you've got to watch out, because look what James 3.16 says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. It's like you open the front door and say, Come on, all you demons, just come on in. Tear up my family. So we have to choose to not be self-seeking. I'm going to do things your way because that's what love is. Love doesn't insist in its own right and its own way. Love's not a feeling. Love is not an emotion. Love is work. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't take into account a suffered wrong. Love isn't, is not keeping score. It's about losing count. <laughs> Amen. So Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they're agreed? Got to get an agreement. Agreement is very powerful. Number two, unity requires effort, but it's well worth it. It does require effort. I heard this last night. It says, family is the gymnasium God gives love to work out in. Family is the gymnasium that God gives love to work out in. 
Think about that for a minute. Your family is the place where love gets worked out. And it takes effort to work out, doesn't it? Yeah. Amen. So love's got to get worked out. But it takes, it takes effort, but it's worth it. Ephesians 4.3, make every effort. Underline that. Make every effort, every effort, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You know, if you've got to bite your tongue and swallow the blood, I'm going to keep quiet because I want peace and I want my family to stay in unity because in unity we can go somewhere. Romans 12, 16, it says, Live in harmony with one another. Philippians 2, 2, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one spirit, sounds like unity to me, and purpose. One in spirit and purpose. Colossians 3, 13 through 14, Make allowance for each other's faults. Oh, you think everybody ought to be perfect just like you. But we all have our faults and we all have our blind spots. Amen. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. There's no wiggle room there. For 14, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which, bonds, uh, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Listen to this. James 3, 17 through 18, real wisdom, God's wisdom begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You know what? Stop this not talking to each other for days. That's so dumb. Don't do that. You spend days where people are, are walking on eggshells. I called it passive-aggressive last week. I can't stand that. I'd rather you just come cuss me out, but just keep quiet. Now, I'm not saying anybody should cuss anybody out. Pastor said I could cuss you out. I did not say that. I'm saying I would rather you tell me what you think rather than to play this passive-aggressive crap where you don't talk and, um, you know, you just slamming things and, you know, I'm nervous. Every time you do something, I'm going, oh, my God, what's next? You know, don't do that. Stop playing silly games. Don't do it. It's just not worth it. Not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. Don't be calling people in your family complaining about your marriage. Don't do it. Then they're going to feel some type of way. You, can, you know, y'all get over your fight, and then you go to the family reunion, and everybody's looking at him like, you know, don't do that. Keep your stuff between yourself. If you're going to call somebody, call somebody who'll rebuke you. Call somebody who'll tell you how to pray you through that situation. Amen. All right, so you can develop a healthy, robust community or family that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and with honor. Romans twelve eighteen. if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So whatever, whatever is your part, you can't, you can't make the other person do right. Amen? But as, as much as depends on you, live in peace. Amen? James 3.18, and those who are peacekeepers will plant seeds of peace. Now that is awesome, and reap a harvest of righteousness. So you know what? Right now, I could be fussing with you. I could go toe-to-toe with you in an argument. You know, you, your argument is weak anyway. Uh, you know, I could go toe-to-toe with you, but instead I'm going to zip my mouth. I'm not going to say anything, not even let you know. I, I got five comebacks. I could just take you all the way down to the floor. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sow a seed of peace. Okay, baby. 
you're right, baby. I'm going to sow some seeds of peace, even though I could destroy you and destroy my relationship in the, in the midst of it. Amen. So plant seeds of peace. That's good, because whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So sow some seeds of peace and kindness and respect. Sow some seeds. And you know what? When somebody's acting a fool to you and you're kind to them anyway, what does the Bible say? It heaps hot coals on their head. You, you can stay in your peace and know you didn't act ugly. Ain't nobody got to call the police on you. You acted fine and it heaps hot coals on their head. Amen. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. John 13, 13, 34 through 35 says, Love one another in the same way I loved you. You love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. So remember that the mission doesn't change just because you go through a challenge. See, when we're challenged, we just want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. No, when we get into a challenge, that's when it's, you know, for better or for worse, for sicker or for poor, in, 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 in sickness and in health, richer for poor. Anyway, all, all that stuff I said I would do, right now is the time to do it. Amen. So the challenge doesn't let us off the, off the hook. The mission is actually proven in the challenge. Amen. We prove who God is. And, you know, sometimes it's easier to attack the person than it is to attack the problem. We attack the people rather than attack the problems. And many times, you know, um, the devil hates family. So we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, devils that have been assigned to your family for, for ages. Amen. So some of us, y'all, we need to go into warfare together. And, you know, remember that when you're stressed out, your personality changes. I'm the only one who turns into... Cruella DeVille, y'all don't want to admit it. Yeah, yeah, your personality changes. Um, you, you know, we're not just married when we're happy. You know, we're married when things, you know, are going bad too. And listen, don't allow divorce to be an option. Don't have that, you know, if you got that in the back of your mind as a card you can play, you'll give up. There's three reasons, only three reasons, and you can make it through these things. Except, except for one, you know, one is abuse. You know, it is not the will of God for you to stay in a marriage where you're being abused mentally, emotionally, physically. If somebody's hitting you or, or somebody is, um, you know, cussing you out every day or, uh, you know, uh, vocally, verbally abusing you, every, that's not the will of God for your life. You know, you stand it as long as you've got the grace for it. But if somebody's beating you up, I think safety comes first. Get out of there. And that means you've got to bust a move, and it's hard. And many people stay because they get in a cycle of abuse. Because an abuser, it's not about abuse, it's about control. And so an abuser will, you know, get in that mood. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Get in that mood and begin to, you know, uh, uh, really just traumatize the whole family. But then after they've done what they've done, or beat you up, or hollered at everybody, or beat the kids, or whatever they do, once they've done all that, they go into super, they feel bad, and then they go into super nice mode again to suck you back in. So while everything's good, you feel like, well, maybe it was just me. You begin to even second-guess yourself. And it takes, it takes a lot to decide, I'm getting out of here no matter what it costs me, I'm getting out of here. It's hard. 
It's hard. Knowing that you might have to go to a shelter for a while, knowing that you've got to, you know, save up some money behind the scenes, whatever it is you've got to do, but you've got to bust a move, and that's hard to do. So, but if, uh, if it's not abuse or adultery, for adultery you can have a divorce, um, or for abandonment. If somebody abandons you and leaves you and is not there for you and has no intention of coming back, then you have a right to have a divorce. Amen. And go on with your life and be happy. Amen. The grace of God covers you as you go on with your life. Amen. Number three, unity releases the power and presence of God in our lives. That's one of the main reasons that we need to make sure that we are um, in unity. Tamar, would you mind getting me some water? Would you mind? Thank you. From the, it should be some in the kitchen uh, in the refrigerator. Oh, Yuri's got it. He's got it. Thank you. Okay, so unity releases the power and presence of God in our lives. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Listen to this, y'all. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Wow, did you hear that? If two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Verse 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So that unity brings the presence of God and it brings the power of God that whatever we agree on, you, we, you know, we, that, there's so much power in that one statement right there that we, we can't afford to lose that. Amen. So, number four, unity creates tremendous possibility. Tremendous possibility. Genesis eleven six. So, unity creates tremendous possibility. Thank you. So, Genesis eleven six. Look, he said, the people are united. They all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Do you hear that? Nothing they set out to do will be impossible for him, for them. They're united. They're speaking the same thing. When you as a family or as a couple get in faith together, nothing you propose to do will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible for you. That's a whole lot of power right there. So much possibility is opened up if we can just get in unity. Amen. Number five, unity is the place of commanded blessing. The place of commanded blessing. Psalm 133, one through three. I love this right here. I've never noticed this before. This is in the Passion Translation. It says, a song to bring you higher by King David. Isn't that awesome? A song to bring you higher. Anybody want to go higher? It's a song to bring you higher by King David. How truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It's as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard and running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robes. This heavenly harmony can be compared to the dew dripping from the skies upon Mount Hermon, refreshing the mountain slopes of Israel. For from this realm of sweet harmony, God will release his eternal blessing the promise of life forever. And the New King James says, for, for there in unity the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So God commands a blessing on unity. 
How beautiful it is when husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, he's not talking about brothers and sisters, he's talking about husbands and wives. He's talking about um, the body of Christ. When we dwell together in unity, God calls it a beautiful, wonderful thing, and he commands a blessing on unity. Whoo, that's good news right there. He puts a blessing. He commands a blessing. So when people get in unity, God starts commanding blessing on them. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, Nehemiah got in agreement with God. He agreed that he was who God said he was. God said he's a mighty man of valor. He said, God, I don't know who you're talking to. But in the end, um, Nehemiah, no, 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 that's not Nehemiah. I'm sorry. Nehemiah got in agreement with God to rebuild the, the walls of the city. And in 52 days, because he got in agreement and got some people to get in agreement with him, he rebuilt the city walls within 52 days. Nehemiah 10:39. they said, we will not neglect the house of our God. So you got to, you know, not forget that when we are in unity as a church, that, that God commands blessing on us. Amen? Amen. So they fought with one hand. When Nehemiah and them, they were building the wall. They were so in one accord that with one hand they built and the other hand they had a sword. They fought with one hand and they built with the other hand. They were able to do both. And that's what we ought to be doing. We ought to be building our families while we're doing spiritual warfare at the same time. Amen. Same thing in the church. We're building the church while we do spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. So what can you and your family build together if you can just get in unity? Amen. Gideon is who I was trying to talk about. Gideon came into agreement with God. And and God used 300 men in unity. Listen to me. 300 men in unity were able to take down an army that was without number. Hallelujah. So there's so much power. So we have to protect the unity of our church. And listen, during this time, don't allow, and I'm talking to people who are watching online too, don't allow the deception of this quarantine to tell you um, that I don't need church or I don't need to go to church. No, we need to be stronger than ever. We need to let this comeback be stronger than the setback ever was. Amen? We need to come back stronger and more focused on our purpose and why God has put us here in humble Texas. Amen? Because God wants to do a a brand new thing amazing thing and he's going to use us to do it hallelujah we've been handpicked by god and so um hebrews 10 25 says let us not give up meeting together in unity as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching hallelujah did y'all learn anything today Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we thank you for the word that's been sown in our hearts. Father, we thank you that that we're growing in unity. We're growing in the power of agreement. God, we just thank you that anywhere where we've been corrected by your spirit today, that we will be um, just so careful to go and to begin to do things differently, Father God. We thank you for the wisdom of your word. And when we do... When we do your word, we get the results of the word. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that our families are glorifying you. Our families are coming in line with the submission and with the order of family that you've chosen for us, God. So as we choose to do things your way, God, we get the results of it. We declare glory. We declare blessing. We declare, Lord, nothing is impossible as we get in unity. God, we just thank you that we're going to levels we never even thought of. God, we pray over this um, unity walk that we're going to do on Tuesday. And, Father, we just ask you in Jesus' name to let it all be peaceful. Let it all be to glorify you. Let it be to bring unity among people, God. We just thank you for things are happening we never dreamed would happen in our city in Humble, Texas. We receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
Well, maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Sally, or maybe you're watching online and you say, Pastor Sally, I'm not right with God. I'm not right with God, but I want to be right with God. I want to be forgiven for my sins. I want to I be in the family of God. I want to know Jesus as my personal Savior. Well, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to come to that place to know that you need God. For me, it was um, 26 years ago at the age of 31, I knelt in my closet and threw my hands in the air and said, Jesus, I'm through running. I gave him my heart and my life, and my life has never been the same. I'm living a fulfilled life living out the purpose that he created me for. And he wants to do the same thing in your life. So I'm just going to lead you in a very simple prayer. If you mean it in your heart, everything's about to change. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have messed up, sometimes on purpose. And sometimes I'm sure I just didn't know but I'm sorry for my sins. I ask you to forgive me. Jesus, come into my heart and into my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that God raised you from the dead on the third day. Be the Lord of my life. Teach me, guide me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just said that prayer and you meant it in your heart, you got to let somebody know. Nobody gets to sneak into heaven. So if you're here, I need you to just fill out your connection card. And on the back, there's a place where you can just check, yes, I give my heart to Christ. I dedicate my life to him. I choose him today. And then you're going to take it into the back to the VIP Welcome Center. And you're going to turn it in back there with Yuri. Yuri's going to be back there. Oh, Pastor Carolyn, you're going to go. Pastor, let Pastor Carolyn go. Pastor Carolyn is going to receive it from you and uh, exchange it for a special gift we have prepared for you today. If you're watching online, just simply go to the Acceleration Church app, and on the very front page of the app, there's a place that says a commitment card. Click that, fill it out, and uh, that'll let us know that you've made a decision for Christ. And right there, right in that area, we don't even have to mail you anything. Everything that you need to know is right there, what you need to do um, next on your journey with Christ. Amen. All right, y'all. Well, it's offering time. All right. What kind of giver does God love? In fact, the Bible says God is unwilling to abandon or do without, a cheerful, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. So this is the time where we return the tithe and we give offerings over and above. You can give if you're watching online or from here. You can um, give right from your seat on your cell phone um, by using the Acceleration Church app. Just click the, the Give button and follow the instructions and uh, you'll be able to give safely and, and quickly and easily right there. Or we do have envelopes here. If you'd like to fill out an envelope, we'll send, we'll send the URI around to uh, pick up your tithes and your offerings um, right here in the sanctuary. All right. I'm just so excited that, you know, throughout this pandemic, everyone has been doing so well financially. People have been um, well. No, not one person from our church has gotten sick. Not one person. Praise God. We began declaring that from the very beginning. So we have so much to be grateful for. We can give God a thank offering today. But let's go ahead and pray, and uh, we're going to receive the offering. Father, we thank you that as we give, men give to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over are men giving into our bosom. God, we thank you that we're blessed. The windows of heaven are open, and they cannot be closed just because there's a pandemic, God. We thank you that you are our provider, and you're pouring out blessing for us so much we don't have room enough to receive it. So, God, we thank you that as we give to get today... 
We are blessed and we have plenty, plenty in 2020. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody, say amen. Amen. All right, we're going to do that instead of doing our, our faith declaration. All right, Yuri, you want to go ahead?